Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on the phone uh, with me at the bottom of this hour, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina is going to join me. Happening uh, just a few moments ago, uh, Hank Johnson of Georgia. Uh, went on a riff in uh, the U.S. House about parents showing up at school board meetings, the bad guy parents. This is Hank Johnson, congressman from Georgia, uh, going on about those terrible parents showing up at school board meetings, wanting the schools to actually open back up and let the kids back in. Um, January 6, 2021 will never be forgotten, an infamous day in American history. MAGA Republicans descended upon the Capitol, engaged in an insurrection. Uh, They occupied the Capitol. Five people were killed, hundreds injured, including hundreds of Capitol Hill police officers attacked and bludgeoned. Um, uh, It was uh, a day that we'll never forget. And people on the local level Uh, at affected school board meetings. They won't forget the MAGA uh, Republicans descending on their school board meetings uh, after January 6th, like January 6th, disrupting meetings. It was a coordinated uh, attack happening across the country. Americans won't forget about it. Uh, School board uh, members, teachers, administrators subjected to violence, threats of violence, harassment, intimidation. Uh, And in response to that, the National School Boards Association sent a letter to the Biden administration seeking federal help. Things had gotten so far out of hand. And by the way, there's not one scintilla of evidence, either direct or indirect, that there was any coordination between the Biden administration and the National School Boards Association Uh, that caused that letter to be sent seeking federal assistance. And so uh, in response to that request, we can leave it there. There's actually like a lot of evidence that there was coordination, including the emails back and forth from people within the Biden administration and the National School Board Association. Uh, You actually had uh, the, the education department working with them to get them to draft the letter to the Justice Department to ask for federal help to combat the parents and urged them to use strong language calling parents terrorists. That actually is documented. For him to say there's not any documentation, well, I mean, this is the man who thought Guam was going to flip over. Let's never forget this is the same member of Congress who literally, literally believed that Guam would literally tip over. You don't believe me? This is a uh, island that at its widest level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore? And at its smallest level, uh, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? 
Uh, I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very small island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about seven miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that, that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The, uh, the Guam population, I think, currently about 175,000, and again, with 8,000 Marines and their families, it's an addition of about 25,000 uh, more uh, into the population. The whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. <laughs> that gets me every time. This is a member of Congress who believes the island of Guam would capsize if you added more people because it was narrow and long, narrow inside a rectangle. And if you put all the people at one end of the long end, it's going to flip over, going to cartwheel into the ocean, catapult those people off. <laughs> this is the man who's upset about parents going to school board meetings. Deep Thoughts by Hank Johnson. My goodness gracious, we shouldn't take this man seriously at all, nor should members of Congress. And you know the sad part about it? If we're honest, Hank Johnson, Democratic congressman from Georgia, replaced Cynthia McKinney. He's actually an upgrade from that idiot. Uh, despite him believing that an island can tip over if you put too many people on it, capsize, and by the way, it's it's worth noting that his staff came along afterwards. They're like, uh, um, uh, oh, I think he meant environmentally that it would, it would, he was talking about the environment of the island. Yeah, if we put too many people in the island, that's it. That's the ticket. The environment. We, 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 we would cross a tipping point with the environment. No, no, no. He quite literally was tumbling his hands. The island will capsize because it's seven miles wide in one and 20 some odd miles long. And if you put all the people at one end of the island, it's going to capsize. Everybody knew, including his Democrat colleagues knew the man was a moron poor staff had to come out and defend him my goodness gracious well i i would i would stay on this there's not much more that has to be said and there's something very serious that we have to talk about here i don't know that it's going to happen my sense to some degree is that at the last moment People will put the brakes on it and say, we're not going to do it. But maybe they will. I've heard from a lot of people. I have way more listeners who work for the rail industry of America than I knew. I've gotten lots of messages on Instagram, 
and emails, Twitter messages. The rail workers of America intend to go on strike on Friday. I would like to advise you as a friend. This is not my expert opinion. It's just one friend to another. You may want to go to Amazon.com or your local grocery store right now and order some extra toilet paper because you're going to be short of it in several days if a strike actually happens. According to many estimates, this is from CNBC.com. The Association of American Railroads has released a report projecting an economic impact of a nationwide railroad strike could be more than $2 billion a day. The cooling off period ends on September 16th. Five of 12 unions have reached voluntary agreements now. One more has joined in. Yesterday, it was four of the 12. Today, it's five of the 12. Uh, Original reports were that eight of the 12 had agreed. But now CNBC is reporting actually only five with their members have agreed. So essentially, it's eight total have agreed, but they have to have member votes. Five unions have memberships have voted not to strike, which leaves the rest of them. And that's a problem. Wage increases proposed by the Biden administration and an emergency board would be the most substantial in 40 years. But it's a quality of life issue going beyond the wages. One of the issues I have learned in following this conversation is that many of the railroad workers, they're okay with the money. The problem is their time off. They have a specific number of days off for everything, sick, bereave, vacation, you name it. And when they're off, they're required to be on call because there's a labor shortage within the railroad industry. So railroad companies are making them be on call. And if they're on call, when they're on vacation, well, it kind of screws up their ability to take a vacation, doesn't it? Additionally, they're salaried and they're, they're not hourly. Because they're salaried and not hourly, they may only work eight hours a day. But if the day uh, takes 20 hours to end, they don't get any overtime. And they're mad about it. And they're ready to strike. This is going to be a problem if this happens. They're already, railroad companies are stopping the shipments of hazardous materials and sensitive cargoes. They're delaying shipments of chemicals used in fertilizer like ammonia and chlorine for water purification because they don't want those materials stuck on railroads around the country if they can't get them. Additionally, the chemicals for fertilizer, a durable ammonia supply chain disruption, would mean reduced corn and wheat acres next year. Uh, Alternative sources of nitrogen would be unavailable or too expensive per acre. Worsening natural gas constraints are related to the dynamics of the uh, fertilizer supply side. This is from a um, supply chain expert on Twitter. Railroads are no longer shipping ammonia, an important component of about three quarters of all fertilizer because it would be too dangerous if the material were stranded during a rail strike, according to the Association of American Railroads. That's from the the Twitter account of ProFarmer, the news and marketing organization for farms in the country. Jim Garrity over at National Review has this. Amtrak announced today, while these negotiations do not involve Amtrak or the Amtrak workforce, many of our trains operate over freight railroad tracks. Because the parties have not yet reached a resolution, Amtrak has begun to make initial service adjustments in response to a possible freight railroad service disruption that could occur. 
If you're in the supply chain, you're freaking out right now because this is the beginning of peak supply chain season. Stores want all of their goods to come into their local warehouses for Black Friday and the holiday shopping season, and they begin those shipments now. UPS has just announced they're hiring 100,000 seasonal workers. The post office is upping the number of part-time and temporary workers there for this time of year. And here comes a railroad strike. They have to resolve this issue by Friday. If they don't, the railroad workers of America could cripple the economy. Events change things. It's a broken record. It's one I utter often. But this is another reminder. Jim Garrity, like me, has readers and listeners who are in the railroad industry, and one of them sent him this email. Railroad strike on Friday, better than even odds. Biden used his best tool in July by ordering a 60-day cooling-off period, which expires on Friday. He has no other executive card to play. Congress can impose another cooling-off period, but good luck getting that through Congress by Friday. Does anyone believe the Secretary of Labor has any pull with the union? Can anyone actually pick the Secretary of Labor out of the lineup? I've talked to people across the federal government who, like me, deal with railroads on a daily basis. I've talked with the Association of American Railroads. Everyone is holding their collective breath. Nobody wants to find out what happens when the trains stop running. Problem is, there's no silver bullet here. A few career lives ago, I was a railroad freight conductor, toughed it out for two years and quit for the same reasons the unions are complaining about today. Here's the other problem for Joe Biden and the Democrats. The unions are their constituency, not the railroad owners. It's not Wall Street here. They got to be on the side of the union. And if the union wants to strike, Joe Biden's going to have to pick the American economy or the unions who got him elected president. If he picks the economy, the Democrats are going to be toast. If he picks the unions, the economy is going to be toast. And he's got to pick. And Congress has no ability to rush through anything by Friday to cool off. In fact, some Republicans may even join some Democrats to filibuster it in the Senate because it's not just they're on the side of the workers. They're also on the side of causing pain for the Democrats. Joe Biden, ironically, had he been able to push the unions off until August could have exercised his cooling off period and a strike wouldn't have occurred until after the election. Instead, he played his card too soon at a time he felt he had to. He couldn't play it out any longer. And now our whole economy may be ground down by $2 billion a day. And the Democrats set themselves up for it. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you are in charge of a business and you want that business to grow, reach out to them, see if they can help you. If you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, expanding a franchise, $750,000 or more, reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Uh, my buddy JR just texted me and he says, uh, what about coal? Coal travels by train. Are we going to have a power crisis as well? Mmm. It's making me wonder what's going on here. Will we run into these sorts of problems as well? Coal is typically shipped by train. I don't now. My understanding, and I'm no expert on this at all. All I've done is read, but I did read that there are uh, certain categories of things that uh, the president can order must still be deployed, and I suspect coal is one of them. So one of the issues is chlorine, particularly for Jackson, Mississippi. 
the uh, water situation in Jackson, Mississippi is so bad, they need excess chlorine there to try to purify the lines, clean the lines and the like. Uh, and they're going to make sure that that continues to get shipped by rail or other means. So I think we'll wind up seeing that for power companies as well, I would guess, for power. But it's it's going to be a problem, y'all. Don't underestimate this. This is not a good situation for this White House right now, and I think they know it. And I have said I, I feel good about this. Last week, having had to correct myself and, and say I was wrong about uh, the abortion of uh, the impact of abortion on the election, I, I feel kind of good about what's happening right now because I told you it was going to happen. I've been in politics since I was young. I've been paying, a poli- paying attention. I've been a student of politics. I've been a political consultant, I've been a campaign manager. I've been an elections lawyer. I have run campaigns, consulted on campaigns, designed campaigns, executed campaigns. I have seen the recurring patterns. And it has been a regular recurring pattern that in years the Republicans intend to take Congress or are on track to take Congress with the exception of 2010. The polls narrow. And very often the Democrats in August, September, Get ahead of the generic ballot only to have reality pull back. It's almost as if the voters are thinking, yeah, we're going to go Republican. We're going to, yeah, do we really want these jack wagons in charge? Maybe, oh, no, look at, look at, look at what's happening. Yep, we got to have the Republicans. And you see that play out in the polls. They don't like the Republicans. Voters don't like the Republicans. Hell, the Republican Party doesn't like Republicans. That's why the Donald Trump contingent of the party continues to pick candidates who probably can't win in portions of the country because they just want to burn it all down. They're either going to burn down Washington with MAGA candidates or they're going to burn down the Republican Party for betraying them. One way or the other, someone's going to get lit on fire and immolate. And that's what's playing out here. And voters have been thinking, yeah, okay, we don't really want these people. They're kind of nuts. And then you get the economic news, you get the stock market tanking, you get all of these problems. The Dow right now down 68 points after yesterday's 1,200-plus point loss. You have Joe Biden out there. It's, my goodness gracious, um, it's, it's kind of bad right now for the Democrats. Wisconsin polling has collapsed. The Democrats thought they might do well there. They're not. The Georgia polling, Herschel Walker's in the lead. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt's in the lead. In Pennsylvania, John Fetterman's gone from a double-digit margin of victory to now single digits. When the polling there has a nine-point bias for the Democrats, Dr. Oz could pull it off. That would give the Republicans a two-seat Senate. Things aren't going the way the Democrats thought they were going to go. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Republican Senator Tim Scott about all of it. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson. I'm waiting for Senator Tim Scott. He's been held up in the Senate trying to get to me. Um, We will get to him as soon as we can. In the meantime, let's talk about John Fetterman. Uh, BuzzFeed News last night tweeted out that Fetterman was at an event and... uh, urinated on one of his staff members. I retweeted it, and then I realized it was a parody account. It wasn't really BuzzFeed. But given his health condition and his situation and behavior on the campaign trail, uh, I, I didn't even think it was a parody account. I mean, the guy is clearly not in a good state of mind and in terrible health. So when you hear stuff like this, it, it, it shouldn't surprise you. Now, here's the more interesting thing here. These are the issues in Pennsylvania voters care about. In the CBS News Battleground Tracker, 
80% care about inflation, or I'm sorry, the economy, 77% inflation, 65% crime, 64 elections, 61 guns, 56 abortion. In the CBS News Battleground poll, Fetterman is at 52%. Dr. Oz is at 47%. Now, uh, Shapiro, the gubernatorial candidate for the Democrats, is 55%. Mastriano is at 44%. Keep in mind, in Pennsylvania, there is between a six and a nine-point polling bias for the Democrats. So if Fetterman really is at 52% and Oz is at 47%, when you add into it the polling biases for the Democrats, Dr. Oz is winning Pennsylvania. This is one reason why Real Clear Politics continues to say the Republicans will hold Pennsylvania. On top of that, crime. Crime is the number three issue in Pennsylvania, and John Fetterman has argued about letting a third of Pennsylvania felons out of prison. He helped free a convicted murderer known as Son of the Devil. That's right. Um, He shot this guy, Raymond Johnson, Uh, killed a 27-year-old, shot and stabbed him, robbed him. And Fetterman helped advocate to get that guy out of prison. He's got a record that's not good on crime in addition to everything else. Now it turns out he's been failed to disclose all the properties he owns. Dr. Oz can win that race and hold Pennsylvania. Republicans around the country can pick up Nevada, Georgia, and other states as well and, and put them back into leadership. If they do get into leadership, someone who's going to be in the majority, one of the the ranking Republicans there, is the senator from the outstanding state of South Carolina, my favorite place to go on vacation. Senator Tim Scott joins me by phone. How are you? Eric, it's always good to be back on the show with you. I'm doing well. I hope you're doing fantastic, and I think you distilled the midterms and the importance of the midterms really well and putting the icing on the cake, bringing Dr. Oz across the finish line would help us win back the majority. Okay, so I've got to ask you your your view on the optics yesterday. Literally, even CNN had a split screen showing the market crashing and showing uh, what's-his-name uh, singing at the White House as they began their celebration of the Inflation Reduction Act. Kind of weird optics for the Democrats to be cheering on the Inflation Reduction Act as the market crashed because inflation didn't go down. You know, the, the, the interesting part of the entire process is to watch the hypocrisy on the left and see it reinforced by their celebrations. They literally want people to believe what they are saying, no matter what they see. They are saying how great the celebration of the Inflation Reduction Act, although we see the acceleration of inflation, comparatively speaking, to just two years ago. you you got to remember when they took over, Inflation was under 2% in January of 2021, 8.3%. It rocked the market. I believe, Eric, it was one of the seven worst days for the market in American history. The yeah, and the worst since July of 2020 as, as everybody was in lockdown. It, it was not a good day. And I've been telling people since August. Now, you've been in politics for a while now, and I've been telling everyone in August, uh, don't fret that this narrowing of polls, we see it every time the Republicans have a wave that uh, the voters get close. They have their second doubts around September. The, the uh, generic ballot polling average narrows, and then all of a sudden Republicans do well. You've got all these Democrats out there saying, oh, the Republican wave is gone. The Dobbs decision is going to motivate Democrats. 
it seems like the polls are readjusting and, and the wind of the Democrats back is actually an economic hurricane that might sink them. Well, I certainly think that a red tsunami starts with the economy. It leads to inflation and then it crests around gas prices. And those are the three most important issues. And then I believe that's followed by crime. The unfortunate truth is that the national media wants to gen up support for the progressive movement at the cost of the truth. The truth is the American people are more interested in their pocketbook than they are any other issue. And then it's safety because in big blue cities across this country, we see a crime wave that is undeniably tied to to fund the police. Okay, uh, let me switch gears with you just real quick, because I know in in the Senate, you're on not just the Banking, Housing, Urban Affairs Committee, but on the Finance Committee. Um, with inflation the way it is, everyone thought it was going to be 8.1. It winds up being 8.3, still down slightly, but way high. And I don't think people realize, even if it went down to 5%, it's still going up 5%. It's not declining and readjusting as wages are catching up. I mean, when That's you exactly talk right. to people at the Fed or at the Treasury, you've got Larry Summers came out overnight and said, even a 4% uh, interest rate probably isn't going to get inflation under control. What, what are the options out there? Well, the, the, the Fed only has two options. And I think one of the realities that we have to take a look at is the Fed started too late and too slow and moving the interest rates to create a, a hedge on the demand. And when that was not done by Chair Powell, I think that led to them having to use too much of one tool, inflation hikes, that led us to the recession that we are feeling in so many parts of the country, and frankly in Georgia and South Carolina without any question, but I think across the country, people listening to your show, they have stories to tell about the devastation of food prices going up double digits, about the fact that their energy on average is up 30% and their gas is up 60%. So this is not a, a, a philosophy and a discussion around philosophy. This is a discussion around the actual reality felt at the pump. Now, let me interrupt our conversation here on inflation because this is kind of related. There's actually some breaking news as you and I are talking. Amtrak has just announced they're canceling all long-distance train service starting tomorrow. Uh, any trips booked tomorrow or Friday will be canceled and refunded, according to Amtrak, in anticipation of a possible rail strike. Uh, I've got mixed feelings on a rail strike because I know people in the rail industry and I think they have legitimate complaints, but I also know the Association of American Railroads say it's a $2 billion a day hit to the economy if it happens. Um, it, it sounds like if this does happen, we're in pretty rough economic times more than we are right now. Yeah, there's no doubt that you talk about the fragmentation of the supply chain and the snarling of the supply chain take away one of the most important, most cost-effective routes to take, which is rail, you're talking about only having a stronger inflationary effect in the economy. 8.3 is going to feel more like 9% or beyond when the, when the rail disruption happens. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm worried about it. But now, um, let me move back in because this is somewhat related. The Biden administration, of course, gave the cooling off period earlier this year. Um, had they waited, they might have been able to get the cooling off to the election. Instead, uh, in this cooling off period, the president decided to give a hot-headed speech with his red background, uh, declaring half the nation essentially an enemy of the state. And 
I, I got to imagine that, okay, well, let me back up for you real quick, because I mean, you, you, you have good working relationships with people on the other side of the aisle here, but the level of tone deafness, it seems where the Democrats in Washington, they're in a bubble with so many members of the media. There's really no one there. It seems like to tell them guys, this isn't a good idea. You shouldn't give the speech. And even to see David Axelrod, for example, come out after the speech and say, might not have given that tone in the speech. I don't think it helps them. Well, I, I call it a soul-crushing speech. He presented the gates of Gehenna, which, of course, means H-E double hockey sticks, uh, as a backdrop. But, but then he, he leans in to the wrong issues. He leans into polarization. Instead of being the uniter-in-chief, he continues the narrative of being the divider-in-chief. Instead of talking about the American people, he talked about MAGA Republicans. Instead of talking about uh, finding a way to stop government spending to reduce inflation, he, st- he celebrates the, the path that they're on from an economic standpoint. Instead of talking about making America a more fair place to live, he, he instead pivots towards uh, canceling nearly a trillion dollars worth of expense to student loan debt. Literally every pivot in his speech really fomented division, polarization, and was inflammatory in tone. We have done better. We can do better. And it's one of the reasons why I'll be in Georgia tomorrow, making sure that we win back the majority. And as you said earlier, the polls are moving in our direction. It's one of the reasons why I'm excited to come and see Herschel Walker outperform what some of the polling says is because he's already doing so with the support of amazing Georgians. But, you know, you you mentioned Herschel's race. This is a good example. The, The national media has largely ignored John Fetterman in Pennsylvania with attacks that they're, they could make on him that instead they're making on Herschel, who in August shook up his campaign, brought in new people, began going up in the polls, began doing events, is willing to debate, is going to debate. And the national media would still have you believe we're back in June, July, where he's not really out there. He's not willing to debate. They, they've never updated the message. The reality on the ground in Georgia is actually really good for the GOP right now. And I had breakfast with him last week um the guy is in this race to win it he is and i think he's going to win and i'm i'm actually bullish on on georgia becoming back coming back to the red ruby red state that is that it already is and reflecting that in its senate representation that's great news for america remember this and i hope every single listener hears me clearly the cost of one senate seat in georgia was 1.9 trillion last year and then it went to 3.1 after the infrastructure and now it's over four trillion dollars of additional spending leading to some of the highest inflation in 40 years when you lose in georgia the american people suffer through four trillion dollars of unnecessary spending Well, look, before I let you go, let me give you some unsolicited advice. Um, If the guy throws a football to you tomorrow, don't screw up. (laughs) Yes, He's got a great arm. He's still got that great arm. (laughs) He does indeed. He does indeed. Here's the funny part. I was uh, was talking to Herschel just several months ago. You know, when I was in high school, he was the stud and, and of course, the the Heisman Trophy winner uh, that year. And I was saying to him, when's the last time you ran a 40 of around 4, 5, or 4, 6? And he was like, last year. I mean, the guy is a walking uh, – he's, 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 he's literally a freak of nature in that 
he did what no other football player ever did. He was my hero when I was in high school. He has turned out to be a conscientious, common-sense conservative because he was raised in rural Georgia. What mm-hmm. a great story. What a blessing to our country to have someone of his caliber representing the great state of Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, I, I do think I would be remiss if I didn't point it out that uh, you guys, you got Clemson ranked number five this coming week. So, it's, it's I mean, y'all are up there. My beloved LSU, well, I'm looking and I don't see them in the rankings. I'm a little upset. <laughs> well, well, I, well, I, well, I will say that Florida State loss uh, was a tough one for oh, LSU. Yeah. And, and I got to say that Georgia plays Carolina this weekend, and I am going to pray a lot that there are no serious injuries on my team side because you guys being number one in the country, it is it is hard work for the Gamecocks this weekend. And, and I will say, Eric, we should have a whole show on just college football because it's a miserable experience playing you guys every I, I other tell year. You, I went, uh, the, the only time I've ever been to a, to a Gamecocks game was in uh, Columbia against Georgia. I was with a friend of mine who went to the University of South Carolina. He said, whatever yeah. you do, don't say go dogs." Right. Because <laughs> that, that does lead to violence at football stadiums. I will concede. There's not, nothing else leads to violence. It's not politics. It's, the rivalry in the SEC. Absolutely. Is it, who needs the other conferences when you got the SEC? Look, I better leave it there because we could talk all day about this, but I always enjoy having you on and, and have fun tomorrow with Herschel. He's such a good guy. Thank you. You have a great night. Take care. Or you too. Congress Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. Uh, such a good guy. And yep, Georgia, number one, not just in the SEC rankings for this week, uh, number one nationwide Alabama now number two after that game against Texas um my beloved LSU it's a rebuilding year gonna have to start rooting for Tennessee with Philip I'm afraid now I gotta tell you about Patriot Mobile which is helping Republicans turn the corner as the polling shifts back as I told y'all it would do Patriot Mobile takes a portion of their profits and gives it to the conservative movement to do that they need you as a customer they're not a woke company. They're Christians, conservatives. They're the only really Christian conservative company out there. There are others that claim to be, but they're actually just subsidiaries of major companies. This one is actually a standalone company, and they want your business. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses, so you get guaranteed great service wherever you are. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, and you get free activation with my name. You get great discounts if you're a veteran, first responder, a teacher, an NRA member, so many discounts. You've got multiple lines for your house. They can give you good discounts. You can also call them at 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, so you don't have to worry about calling Mumbai. You're calling somebody in the USA who's going to help you get set up, give you free activation with my name. They're good people. They share your values. They want your business. They give you guaranteed great service. They take a portion of their profits and give it to the causes you care about from the Second Amendment to the pro-life movement. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Go over there now. Get your service moved over. Hi there. It's Eric Erickson here. In about 40 minutes, I'll be on a golf course with a glass of bourbon and a scar. It'll be wonderful with some friends of mine. The weather is fantastic where I am. I hope it is great where you are. It is cool. It is low humidity. It is golf weather, and I can't wait to go. In the meantime, I'm going to abuse my platform here. Why? Because I know 
There is a major corporation headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, where my flagship station is, where literally everybody listens to me on the radio. And so since everyone listens to me on the radio in Atlanta, I know that the executives at UPS listen to me on the radio. And please, UPS executives, what can I do to beg you to alter the routes in my neighborhood so that on Friday, when my Jesus phone arrives from Apple, it will arrive in the morning and not at 7 p.m., where for some reason, every UPS package shows up after dark at 7 p.m., where I can't spend the entire day enjoying. Now, I realize that my team will say that it's a distraction because I'm on radio and here comes my iPhone and I'm going to be fiddling with it. Well, I'm not even going to be here on Friday. So I've actually got to give a speech on Friday and it happens at the same time as the show. And there's no way, given the breaking news that's happening to the railroad strike, I didn't want to pre-record. I want somebody here live in case the, the railroad strike happens. And I've got to give that speech. It's for one of my favorite groups in America, uh, the Family Policy Council in Georgia, my buddy Cole Musio's group. I'm going to be speaking at their event on Friday. And I got to have somebody here live for the breaking news that could happen. So I think Alan Sanders is going to fill in for me. But I would really love to have my phone. It's going to be glorious, this new iPhone. Certainly incremental in an update. But still, the dynamic island, I guess what I've got right now is the stagnant plateau at the top of my iPhone 13. And now I'm going to get a dynamic island that's going to be glorious. I'm sure you all care. You should. Now, speaking of phones, question for six months, Mike Lindell of My Pillow has seen people have their phones seized by the FBI. Why the heck did that guy not decide to get a new iPhone six months ago and start with a clean slate? Did he was he afraid he couldn't remember his passwords or something? I mean, why do you not get rid of your phone when you see the FBI seizing everybody's cell phones? These people are on the short bus to the MyPillow factory. They are not bright enough to pull off a coup of the government, which is why I just don't think there's a there there with the allegations.